everybody, I'm Greg Soule and this is Why Am I, a podcast where I talk to interesting people and try and trace a path to where they find themselves today. My guest this go around is Scott Wiener. This dude is pizza personified. He's been running a pizza tour business in New York City since 2008 called Scott's Pizza Tours. This guy is live and spontaneous as everything he does is custom catered to what his audience is interested in. So it's kind of like a choose your own adventure, uh, maybe but with pizza instead. He's done a couple of other things like written a book on pizza box art, has the Guinness World Record for largest pizza box collection, writes a column for Pizza Today magazine, and done, uh, rather has done a TV-like series for Thrillist called Really Dough. And it is extremely fun. Like I could totally see that on Food Network. He also has a nonprofit called Slice Out Hunger. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Scott. Scott Wiener, thank you for joining me on the YMI podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm psyched to be here. Yeah, right. Psyched to be here. I have to say, uh, I feel like uh, we usually do the fantasy restaurant. It's kind of a warm up. It's a nice, gentle jaunt through a park, but I feel like we just did a sprint. We just did a hundred yard dash. You, uh, you are hard to keep up with. Um, <laughs> so keeping that in mind, you and I, uh, we have, uh, places to go. We're not in a huge rush. Uh, we're in, uh, we're in New York city and it is the New York marathon. And so we're playing that game where we've come upon the, uh, the race and we're trying to figure out how to get across the street. And so uh, we're both contemplating the best strategy to uh, to dodge the runners, and so we just kind of strike up a conversation because we're not in a big hurry. We're cutting uh, cutting up, uh, cracking wise, and uh, we start talking about me a little bit. We exhaust that, and now it's your turn to reciprocate, Scott. So uh, so who are you? Who am I? Who are you, man? Wait, so we're we're at the marathon. <laughs> we don't literally have to be at the marathon. I just usually like to come up with a weird scenario but how did like you, you don't know me at all but we just met at the marathon yeah for sure for sure because we're just trying to get across the street there's a amazing pizza joint across the street you look like you're trying to do the same let's work together yeah. we don't know each other and i'm like first tell me about yourself and then you're like yeah i get it i got colorful lights i got a cool microphone well, how about it's That's this way up. we'd uh we discussed the best policy to get across and i'm thinking we sort of go with the flow of traffic a little bit right so we kind of run on a diagonal to get across and then we find out we're both going to the same uh, pizza joint right across the street okay and so i'm not with anybody you uh you happen to be alone this morning or evening or lunch or whenever it happens to be and so uh maybe we're gonna sit down and have a slice how's that yeah i love that and it's actually it's it's great that that you want to go to a pizza place because i spend most of my time in a pizza place so if i wanted to explain to you who i am i'm a person who almost consistently inhabits pizzerias habits yeah uh, all the, like like almost every moment that i'm not at home i'm in a pizzeria that's so funny that you call it a pizzeria like uh we don't i'm from texas i live in texas we don't usually refer to him as a pizzeria yeah i mean a pizzeria that's that's a that's a, a place where you get pizza just like a gelateria is a place where you get gelato yeah yeah, yeah. or a tireria or all that sounds, or uh, where do you get your diaries right um, let's see. <laughs> uh, so 
you inhabit pizzeria. I love that. The idea of inhabit it almost sounds like you live in them. Like you just kind of set up a cot in the back. Tell me, uh, tell me why you spend so much I time do. in pizzeria. Well, because so you know, I grew up in New Jersey. I live in New York now, and the pizzeria is a social location, just as much as it is a place to get food. So when I say inhabiting pizzerias, you you really do. You you set up shop, and it, it's a great hang spot. It's a great place to catch up. It's informal. And so that's why I'm spending a lot of my time in pizzerias. And, you know, you and I, we just went into this place right after we successfully catapulted ourselves over the marathon line. And uh, and w what am I going to do after that? I'm probably going to say, oh, there's another good place like <laughs> half a mile down the road. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so the way I found you was uh, doing a little bit of research. I wanted to talk to somebody who was uh, a pizza historian is what I started searching for. And I found my way to you and you do pizza tours you've started pizza i mean there's obviously a lot more to it than that but i would assume that's probably one of the big reasons you inhabit pizzerias or were you doing that before were you pretty much uh living eating and breathing pizza before you started doing the pizza tour i, I certainly was obsessed with pizza but i didn't spend as much time prior to having it be my career i started doing pizza tours officially in 2008 and then once that happened, I had all no reason to get out of the pizzerias. So all I would do was spend all my time in pizzerias, learning, uh, asking questions about the history, about the science of pizza making, about all of it. And and uh, that's really the core of what it of who I am. Hmm. So 2008 pizza tours. Uh, prior to 2008, you were just like. Uh, Man, I wonder if uh, people would like me to take them around and feed them. Like, where does I mean, where does one get the idea to do that? That seems uh, well, interesting. I found out that I liked being sort of a tour guide. I liked the informal education aspect when I, I uh, used to give people tours of an old ferry boat hmm. that was in the town where I was living, a town called Hoboken, New Jersey. And there was this old ferry boat, and I spent a lot of time working on this ferry boat, uh, kind of almost as a volunteer. And people would ask questions all the time about, oh, hey, you know, like, I see you painting the side of this thing. What, what's the deal? What's the deal? And I would take them on tours of this old historic ferry boat that's over 110 years old. And I, that's where the bug bit me about the whole education process. But I didn't want to spend all my time giving tours of the historic ferry boat. I, <laughs> I was really into pizza. And I thought, well, if those things could combine, wouldn't that be great? So I, I took a bunch of friends of mine for my birthday. I took them on a little pizza adventure where I rented a school bus and I had the driver take us to various pizzerias. And it was just the most fun ever. So my friend begged me to start doing that. And then I uh, started doing that in 2008, April. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's to me, it is 100% obvious that you are... Uh, a performer have you always been kind of a natural performer like where did that come from i don't know where i came from and i, I wasn't always i mean i used to play a lot uh, i used to play music like in high school and college and i think that's where the performance aspect came in because when you're playing music in front of people they're watching you and it's you know if, if you're really into what you're doing then people like that as well so I, I would play the drums and sometimes people would notice that like Oh, I'm not kind of sitting still and, and hitting drums. It's you know, it's a full body experience playing a physical instrument like percussion. So I, I guess that's where the performance thing started to happen. But before that, I was I was definitely shy. 
Not after that though. You weren't like a you weren't like a drama kid or anything like that. No, not at all. Theater I kid. Was, I feel like I was in some of the school plays, but it was just because you know, my friends were and you kind of had to. But in high school, I never did. I was more on the tech side. Huh. Yeah, so not a performer ever. Not zero interest in acting or any of that. My older brother's an actor, and uh, I, I I used to go see him in shows, and it was amazing. But I never once considered that i would be interested in anything like that huh. well what is your i mean is that uh is that a thread that kind of runs through your family like performative arts sort of thing yeah so my mother was a birthday party clown <laughs> that helps yeah uh, yeah my, my, i mean like she and she still busted out every once in a while you know for her grandkids my uh but my mother birthday party clown uh so i i think there's maybe some little bit of what my brothers and I have on the performance side must be from that because my father's certainly not not a performer. Now, what was your uh, what was your dad doing? He's, uh... So he's a lawyer, and um, I guess you know when he did some trial law, there was some performance aspect to that. Yeah, yeah, sure. But but I mean, talking to him, you would never get any sense that he enjoyed performing in front of anybody. Gotcha. So is your mom pretty laid back? Cut up a lot? No. No? Oh. <laughs> so she saves that for uh, when she puts the clown makeup on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's, well, she, she, she likes entertaining. She likes people. She's a social person. And uh, I, I, that's, that's what, I'm, what I'm into as well. But I didn't figure that out until a little bit later in life. Well, not later in life, but, you know, until high school and college. Well, where'd you get your uh, sense of humor? I don't know. Where does anybody get a sense of humor? You know, The Simpsons? Uh, and not even this, and I, I, you know, I didn't watch as much Simpsons as all my other friends, but you get it from your, uh, like from, you know, my older brother would watch certain movies and I would get into them because of him. And, yeah. uh, I, I, that's just kind of what happens. I, yeah. I, I think there's also the pleasure in enjoying the moment, which is not, I don't think it's ever anything that you teach anybody, but you just kind of like figure it out once you realize that. You know, the moment that you're in is the only time it's ever going to happen. Yeah, for sure. You might as, might as well enjoy it. And it's, yeah, there's always something fun to happen. That's cool. So are you the the one in the friend group that's uh, always uh, cracking up, always being crazy, making everybody laugh? I got a lot of crazy friends. So <laughs> everybody, everybody's sort of like that. I mean, I'm I'm the one who has my career path is is more about that. So I guess when I'm hanging out with my friends, I, I might, I'm probably a little toned down. Really? You pull it back a little bit? Probably. I, I found with my uh, funnier friends, it's like we do this thing where we just go up higher and higher and higher to like make the other person laugh. It gets a little insane. My, so this is kind of interesting. I mean, when I'm hanging out with my friends, they are definitely funnier than I am. and I, But I never have any interest in trying to one-up anybody because, yeah, you know, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying being entertained. I, I, I don't need to participate. I, I, you know, I can participate all day for, for the work that I do. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you uh, you do that on stage, and whenever you get off stage, you kind of want to just relax a little bit. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's it all depends on the situation. Like when I'm doing a pizza tour, where I take 10, 20, 30 people out to go to pizzerias, and I'm really their I'm their guide and I'm their teacher, and I'm explaining the history and the science and the nuance of culture about these pizzerias that we're visiting. I know that that's my task, and once um, you know, in front of the curtain. That's what I got to do, but just hanging out with friends, I don't, I don't have any drive or any need to do that same thing. 
I'm not afraid of it, but it's just there's no need to. I'm not I'm not in the center of the stage, so yeah, I'm for not sure. the person who needs to create a stage and and take over. Well, tell me about the uh, the education part, the the teaching people stuff. Did that uh, sneak up on you a little bit? Surprise you that uh, you liked conveying that information over to folks? It did, and I think so. I've always had some teaching thing in me my first job in high school was I was like an assistant teacher huh. at the Hebrew school, you know, that, that like I used to go to and I would be a little like a teacher's assistant. And I kind of enjoyed the, you know, the, the ability to be able to present information to people who didn't know it yet and to be able to like take them on the ride that when I was asking a million questions, it was nice to be the person who could then answer those questions. Hmm. So that's where that kind of began. And then in college I was a, I was a TA for one of the classes that I, I first took the class and then I was TAing the class. So that was pretty cool to be, you know, involved on that side of things. But I always hated the hierarchy between teacher and student, hmm. you know, that this, this split that teacher is up here and then student is down here. So the tour became a way for me to kind of pull teacher and student onto the same plane. And I'm just there to provide the information but I'm not there to talk down to anybody. It's I, I really try to teach these tours to lead the tours based on questions and not based on what I think you need to hear. So that's why the educational part of it is like, I say it's informal education because there's no training. I don't have any formal training, but you get a sense of what people care about and what they want to know and what's the best way to convey the information to them in a way that it'll stick. Because at the end of the day, it's not worth anything if it doesn't stick or if it's not applicable to what you're doing. You know how in school, were you ever in a class when you were, when you would like raise your hand and even say like, when am I going to need this in my life? That ever happened to you? <laughs> no, I, I don't think I was ever bold enough to actually say it, but I would think it in my head pretty often. Well, what, do you remember one specific time where you were like, when am I going to need this? Uh, it was probably Spanish class when I was like drowning in there. It was just, oh my no. God. <laughs> But that was a way to explain to yourself why it's okay to fail the class because you're like, you know what? I'll never actually need to know this. But then who knows? In real life, that may have been the most important class. Yeah. So depending I, on what work you do. For sure, man. Like I've learned work, um, know. over time that no experience is wasted, right? It's like I I can learn something from anything I do. And I, I genuinely do. I, I change and grow all the time. Uh, based on the stuff around me. And I've learned that I sometimes have to force myself to, because, you know, sometimes it's nice to just uh, stay at home and then it's like, gets easier and easier to to not go and do stuff. So yeah, I have to kind of force my out of myself out of those, uh, those habits and those rhythms pretty frequently. Yeah. Well, you, you just got to book stuff, book yourself to go on a trip, book, you know, book a restaurant reservation, book a show. Yeah. For, for sure. me, it's all about the, the schedule. It's just, I obey my calendar. So all I have to do is get something on my calendar and then I know I'll do it. But if you say, oh, do you want to go do something right now? That's sometimes hard. Yeah. And I definitely live and die by my calendar because I, I do. I try and stay pretty busy, um, which is funny because sometimes people in my life um, don't necessarily like that because it's like, oh, uh, you want to go do X, Y, Z? And I'll say, well, I've got this stuff. Like, they're like, uh, you know, I guess that doesn't work. And I'm like, well, you just tell me when you want to do this. Like, uh, my wife, for example, I'll say, you know, just let me know and I'll put it on my calendar. She's like, I'm not something you should be scheduling on your calendar. I was like, bro, this is how my brain works. Like, like it, 
um, it keeps the voices uh, at bay, like having a, a calendar that I can live by. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. But but also you got as long you got to schedule yourself maybe some free time. Yeah, for sure. So if your brain works by scheduling, but her brain works by like no, you got to have flexibility. Then schedule some flex time that you can't do anything else. Yeah. Well, I just say you just tell me what you want to do in a rough time, and I'll I'll make a hole right. Like even if there's something on there, like my time is always flexible. I just gotta just gotta know. Like I don't. It it seems it's it's like counterintuitive. I guess it doesn't work if you say okay on February eighth from eight to eleven a.m. I'm gonna have spontaneity time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And now I start riffing. Yeah. 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 Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was thinking about kind of you talking about the informalness of it and, you know, like uh, being a teacher versus because, yeah, like whatever you think of like teacher and student, there's definitely this um, this this void between that's uh, oftentimes I think artificial. It's like because the teacher is supposed to be the holder of knowledge. Right. And you you as the student are the one that, um, you know, has to, to learn from this person. But it, it seems like you're doing more. Um, you're more of a guide kind of on a journey sort of scenario, right? And as people ask questions, you sort of move one direction. So is there some kind of improvisation to your stuff? You're not just on rails with everything you do? It's like 95% improvisation. My so gosh. if you and I were on a tour right now and I just met you and I said, hey, I just saw you at the marathon. What are you doing over here now? the tour would be all based on what you cared about. There would never be a moment where I said, all right, and now is the time to tell you about the origin of the word pizza or something like that. You know, all that has to flow. And it's almost like, I don't know how computers work, but I think the way they work is, you know, they kind of like grab that information as it's called for by the user, right? All that information is there. It doesn't spit out stuff for you based on what it thinks you need. It's like you're asking it for information. So the way the tour works is I've got a ton of information. And then if you ask a question or something happens in the pizzeria right in front of us, they use the oven in a certain way, then I'll reach into that bag of information and pull out the thing that's applicable. It can't ever just be, all right, now I'm going to tell you all about tomatoes, even though it doesn't make any sense right now. It's, it's got to, the moment has to hit. So if you take a tour and then a year later, you come back for a tour again, and you're waiting for me to say a certain thing that you really enjoyed the first time, it's like almost no chance I'm going to say it again. <laughs> or, you know, I've had people who say, oh, you know, tell us about Famous Rays. Remember last time you told us about Famous Rays? And I'm like, no, it doesn't make any sense right now. There's no reason to talk about that. You got to access the memory bits as needed. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like it's more of a conversation. Like It's totally a back and forth where it just it's organic and kind of uh unfolds that concept of that is so exciting to me like the idea of you never know what's going to happen like it could i mean it could be completely different every single time which to me makes it uh a replayable adventure you know yeah you and just I never keep going back i never planned it as like oh yeah let's do it like this so people will come back and take multiple tours but that's what it's become when people take their 10th or 15th tour it's it, they're excited to just have a, a, an experience, another adventure. It really is a journey. It's not so much a tour as it is to say, like, journey through the cosmos of pizza. And so tonight's tour, it's going to go to the four different pizzerias. 
I'm picking people up from a company that I've done tours with before. So the odds are I've probably had a few of them before, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. They're, they know it's going to be interesting information. It's not going to be like, oh, now's the time where he's going to tell us X, Y, Z. It's like, no, I'm going LMNOP right now. Yeah, I love it because it also sounds like, uh, like for us, we're always looking, we live in a moderately sized town and we get bored here a lot uh, and there's not always tons of stuff to do that's nearby. So we end up traveling like down to Austin or whatever because uh, there's always stuff to do there. Wait, are, are you in Dallas? Uh, I'm in a place called College Station. So it's an hour and a half from Austin, an hour and a half from Houston and about three and a half from Dallas. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought Dallas. So, okay, I get you. So when you said moderate sized town, you when you're when you're going for an adventure, it's a kind of a serious situation. You're driving an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Everything in Texas is like an hour and a half away. It's just kind of what we're accustomed to. <laughs> That's like we don't measure distance. Like some people will say how many miles things are. Like I'll hear other people. It's like it's not how it works down here. You you talk about how long it takes you to actually travel to said place. Uh, yeah, because I guess the roads. It's not like direct. Yeah, it takes a while. Probably, it takes a while to get anywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, moderate size, we're like 200,000 people. So it's not, it's a tiny, but it's also, you know, not super substantial. So you kind of run out of stuff to do. So I like the idea of something baked in uh, that's interesting, fun, appeals to me. Because if you ever ask me if I'm hungry, it's not whether I'm hungry or not. I will say I could eat because I could always eat, right? Like the time is now uh, for me to eat anytime. Um, so yeah, like interesting funny like you mix all that together yeah it definitely sounds repeatable to me so i love the the concept of that the spontaneity as well it's got to be like that i mean like is, is there a is there a subject that you could talk to people about for like three hours straight is there like one topic you could do that with oh, probably oh my god yeah i'm certain there is i like to muse over things i like to do hypotheticals i like to um just have somebody challenge what I think and feel and uh, have a conversation about it. But were you in like debate clubs in school? No, no, I was uh, super socially awkward and quiet and shy and terrified of the world. So uh, I didn't really do anything that required me to uh, interact with other humans if I could help it. Yeah. And now this is like the opposite. You're interacting directly with humans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do it. Yeah. I love public speaking. I love performing. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a 180 from the, the person I used to be. When and also used to have happen? hair, right? So it's, you know, falls out. <laughs> 180. Yeah. <laughs> what did, you do? did that flip happen for you? Like, uh, how old were you? Were you a teenager or was it later? It was a slow migration over time, just like uh, my hairline. So it just took time. Uh, no, I, to... uh, I mean, the performance part. Oh, all of it. All of it was a, a slow sort of my, I think uh, where I really found out that I truly love it probably in the last hmm, maybe five years where wow, I, I really, so really enjoy it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, this is very, very slow. I mean, we're talking about a uh, uh, glacier movement, right? It's uh, almost imperceptible. Hey, movement is movement. True. True enough. Like, uh, like I said, I, I say that to people, I'm moving forward. You may not be able to tell, but I'm always moving forward. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this, uh, people, people don't generally ask me about myself on this. You're, uh, you're, you're flipping the script. You're going, uh, full Scott on me here. There's no script. It's, uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> I, you know, what, what use is it just sitting around and waiting for somebody to ask you a question about yourself? It's kind of silly. Like I think, well, you have more interesting things to talk about when 
two people who have never met get to know something about each other. Yeah, for sure. Like I didn't know you were bald. Ah, no, I'm just kidding. Now the secret's unlocked. <laughs> well, it's always it's always funny to me when like a um well what the, exactly what you just asked me before about you know how when your personality is forming or when the big changes happen if they happen quickly or slowly or what what is it that makes something really flip and when I started doing tours I think I I didn't realize until the first day that I did a tour I didn't fully realize what I was going to be expected to do. Hmm. But it was that moment where I was like, wait, I'm about to start. I remember I was setting up inside a pizzeria, setting up the tables and everything. And then I went outside to greet the guests on the who signed up for the first tour, who were mostly friends of mine. And I just thought, what am I? I'm walking out this door. And as soon as I walk out this door, it's like the curtain is open. And mm -hmm. I'm not a performer. That's not wasn't really a big part of my life. But what am I going to say? What are you going to do? And then I just said, it doesn't matter because it's 11 a.m. and that's when the tour starts and I have to open this tour right now. And so it's kind of like, you know, making plans to do something. It's you just got to do it and you got to open the door and step out. And it was probably that moment where I was like, OK, I'm on. Once you're on, the next stop is, you know, the end of the tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you feel exhausted at the end of that first uh, tour? Were you just like wiped out? I don't know if I was exhausted, but I definitely felt winded because, you know, when you're on, there's this adrenaline rush and it kind of takes over. And, you know, the pain that you have from like, oh, that you hit your elbow that morning or whatever, it all goes away because your brain mm -hmm. is pushing all the energy into something else. So when I'm on a tour, there's it's kind of like, a, you know, when you watch those preachers and they're like, oh, I'm preaching a lot and like all this energy and all this. <laughs> and then probably at the end, then they kind of like deflate. There's there's some of that energy that I totally identify with where you're like just kind of pushing it all out because that, that that's your time to do it. These people are here for that. They paid money to have an experience. And then afterwards, there's definitely like a recovery period where you need to like take a deep breath, mm. sit down on a couch, watch an episode of The X-Files, <laughs> then eat the ice cream. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't know if this was going to be something that like you found out actually energized you a lot or so that it like kind of took a lot of energy out of you or it sounds like probably a combination of the two huh yeah it depends on the on the day i like the daytime tours will energize me but the nighttime tours will make me more tired <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah but i mean like you know when i finish the tour at 11 p.m then you're uh, like yeah. okay because it's been a whole day of doing other work and then 6 p.m starts a tour hmm. like today today i'm doing tons of stuff today and then at 6 p.m. I'll be doing a tour. And that doesn't end until 10, 30, 11 o'clock. That's cool. Can you imagine yourself doing anything else? No. No. This is it. Well, I mean, I'm sure I could do other things, but I can't imagine any of them. I mean, look, when the pandemic hit, I couldn't do tours because you can't take people to restaurants. You can't get a group of people together. So I had to figure something else out. But everything that I do is within pizza. It's 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 not like I was like, all right, I'm going to start mowing lawns now. That's my new thing. It, it's like, no, there's got to be another way for me to educate people about pizza. Hmm. Is that when you started doing your like um, online pizza classes and stuff? Exactly. Like that? That's when that started. I you know I could make pizza. I could teach pizza making, 
but I'd never run formal classes until that. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm assuming in those classes, you're teaching people like the science behind everything they're doing, right? Along with it. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're making dough, we're making pizza together. And as we're doing things, I'm explaining why does this work better than this other thing? Hmm. And it's all about science. Why does it not work to mash up your dough before you stretch it? So this way you, you know that it's, oh, there's a reason to not do once you know the reason for something, you're way better at avoiding it or going toward it. If somebody just says, well, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three, uh, for me, that's like, well, uh, it's probably not the only steps. I could probably do a million. I'd rather teach you what are the things that will mess you up mm. and just don't do those. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because genuinely when I learn, it's, it's by doing it wrong over and over and over. Uh, but if I can get a cheat code and somebody can uh, share a little bit of wisdom for me and it saves me a lot of time, uh, I'm definitely for it. But also, um, for me, like, if I'm just going to have somebody tell me the steps to follow, I could just read a recipe. To me, there's there's no there's no richness there. It's it's not an experience. It's not like a fun thing. So it's that's not what I would be looking for. That's why, like, something live and interactive is yeah. great. It's better than a video is really good, but live yeah. and interactive is even better. Like, yeah, I, when I met you, the first thing I was asking you about was, oh, you got these lights. And then when you explained to me that, Oh, putting some cool lights behind me, it's, it distracts from the fact that you probably have junk on the shelves over there. I don't mm -hmm. see junk. I see the lights. And that to me is like, I will never forget that. And it'll be useful to me. Instead of just saying, step one of running a podcast, put up some lights. Yeah, for sure. Way more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I could dig it, man. So you do a lot of stuff outside of uh, just doing tours and... Uh, I mean, you genuinely, you genuinely have made your like whole being uh, about pizza, which is like so fascinating to me. Um, is there anything you do outside of pizza? Yeah, I, I mean, I sleep sometimes. Okay, okay, yeah. Not really pizza related. I, I do have like a, a life that pizza doesn't infiltrate, but I, I work wise, everything I do is connected in some way to pizza. I mean, I, I used to play music a lot more than I do now. And that's that's probably the thing that's the, the only real bummer is that all the energy that I have really goes into pizza stuff. And so playing music is harder to get to. Do you feel like you've just taken your creativity that you put into music and you're putting it into, say, like your tours and stuff? Because it sounds like it's a tremendous amount of creative output that you're you're actually putting into that. So are you just yeah, sort of funneling definitely. that energy somewhere else? Do you yeah. feel like you miss the music piece? Like it's a missing piece from you? I do miss it because the thing that's cool about music is like creating combinations of sounds <laughs> that are really like pleasant sound. Like I really mm -hmm. like the pulling sounds together. It's not so much about performing the music that I liked at all. It was more about like pulling it together, the production aspect. So I studied music production and I worked in music production before I was doing pizza tours. That was like my whole thing. In fact, right now, like my computer is sitting on top of a mixing console and all my audio gear is right here. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, this is the metaphor. It's just there to hold up a laptop so I can talk to somebody about pizza, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not upset about, you know, like there's a billion things that I could be doing that I would enjoy much less than what I do. Like any, almost anything. But, you know, there's there's always got to be something else. You can't just 
you can't be a, a monotone. And I think like pizza is so much a part of my life, but it's, it's pizza tours, teaching the online classes. Uh, I run this nonprofit called Slice Out Hunger, which is a hunger relief organization that works all across the country. I do just everything that I do is all little bits of pizza. But, and that's all because I really like the idea of education and the research that I do, like the historian stuff. You said before about being a pizza historian. I love learning where things come from. And so it's that history thing that I really got into with the boat, the ferry boat. Now I just apply that to the pizza stuff because it, it helps what I'm already doing. Gotcha. And the, the education piece just kind of feeds a little part of your brain, like, hey, I'm helping these people. It's going to make this thing stick. And then you also mix in the performative aspects. So it sounds like you're taking all these amazing uh, rather all these amazing ingredients that like feed you in some way and you're kind of putting them into one place. That's uh, I think it's pretty rare that people actually get to do that and people have the balls to do that, I should say. Well, and the luck. I mean, the, the fact is when I started doing it, I was living, I mean, I, I kind of skipped over like, uh, or I buried the lead a little bit, but when I was working on that old ferry boat, I was living on it for free. No, oh, okay. So, so when I started running pizza tours, I didn't have rent to pay. So I was living on this boat that I worked 20 hours a week on the boat and that allowed me to live there. So I had this safety net. So it wasn't even having the guts to do anything. It was really just, I just knew that if I didn't do it then, it would only get harder to do later mm. in life. So when I was 25, 26, that was the time to, to go for it. So, so uh, once I went for it, I went, a hundred percent for it. I didn't just say, Oh, I'm going to start this and maybe I'll have a five year plan where I'll add something in five years. It was just like, what can I put into it right now? I didn't sit there and calculate, uh, Oh, how expensive is it for me to, you know, spend a whole day in times square handing out leaflets about the tour. I, I didn't, I didn't stress about stuff like that. I was just like, I need to get people to learn that I'm doing these tours and I have to know what I'm talking about. So I have to do a lot of research. How do I get all this stuff done? And it was like, okay, I'm working 20 hours a week on this boat. There's a lot more hours left in the week. Mm. I'm just going to put them all to this. And that was that. Okay. So take me to the time where you're doing pizza tours and you're, uh, I'm assuming you're going to, to eat dinner with your parents. What's the, what's the conversation like with them? Like, Hey, this is, uh, this is who I am now. Yeah, that's, well, I remember very specifically my mom <laughs> saying to me, she said, so is this what you're doing now? You know, meaning like, is this the main thing? Because I had had kind of harebrained schemes before that. And it was, is this what you're doing now? And I said, yes, this is what I'm doing now. And I was kind of annoyed that like, yeah, why would you even ask? But of course she would ask. And she said, okay, just, you have to think about a lot of things. You're running a, a business, you have to know marketing, you have to be you know, bookkeeping properly and paying your taxes and you know, all these things. So it was uh, by that point, it wasn't a huge shock to their system. I had already done some things that they weren't totally on board with, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, on a career sense. But with this, it was um, it was just there was an acceptance, even though they 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 didn't totally get it right away. It And it took a long time. I mean, you know, it went you have to know like your parents were 
almost never be like they're always going to be concerned for you because mm -hmm. your well-being is what they care about the most mm -hmm. so the concern is not distrust or disbelief or anything it's it's just concern mm -hmm. and so you kind of have to prove that like it's very easy to go into a line of work where there's a playbook i'm an accountant i'm a lawyer i'm a doctor i'm a uh, architect I'm whatever but with this it's different and when you say oh i'm going to be a tour guide that's an even <laughs> that's, that's that's really different and this they, was, um... i'm going to be a tour guide that runs my own company that does tours of only pizza in new york <laughs> have they done any of your uh, tours yet they have yeah i mean i've been doing them for 15 years so my I, my parents they used to come every mother's day i think my mom <laughs> still shows up on mother's day um, <laughs> but my mom will show up sometimes and i'll say oh yeah hey we're gonna be in staten island and my parents live in new jersey it's very close to staten island and my mom will show up at the pizzeria and she'll be holding the door for everybody. And she'll be like, yeah, hey, come on, Scott, come on. That's so fun. That's so fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, parents never stop worrying. And I uh, I didn't fully uh, understand the gravity of that until I ended up uh, uh, having kids myself. And uh, yeah, you, uh, it's, it's hard for me to sometimes celebrate stuff first because that's mm. what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to celebrate first. And then gently ask the questions like, have you thought all this through? Have you thought about that? Because like my brain just wants to start looking at potential pitfalls and like trying to like protect them from it. It's like, no, celebrate first, then talk about the pitfalls. Yeah. When did you learn that? Uh, I don't know, last week? No, it's <laughs> not, it, it definitely, it took a lot of, uh, a lot of time. Because like that's, occupationally, that's what I've done pretty much my whole life has been a problem solver, like a fixer. And um a lot of times I've been in positions where it's really stressful and I'm at the top of whatever ladder I happen to be climbing at the time. So there's nobody else to ask. And so when things are on fire, you just got to fix them. So get accustomed to doing triage all the time, right? Like five things are on fire right now. Which one of these is going to burn us to the ground? Which mm -hmm. one is just going to give us a first degree burn? Well, let me put that one over there and let me swear all this stuff. And so like I have just trained myself to do that so much for so long that my first inclination is to always fix and i have to, mm. i have tried to untrain myself like with people to not always be that fixer to just listen acknowledge or celebrate um definitely I, my my partner has taught me to celebrate things first and not always look at the pitfalls because you know sometimes they just want to be excited about something they want you to be excited about it's like i get it it's so it's like turning that part of my brain off can be really difficult. Yeah, it's a really tough skill to to know what somebody wants from them telling you something. So if somebody if somebody's sharing information with you, maybe your desire is to oh let me help you problem solve all that, and then they're like no 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 I don't want that I just want you to say great job. Yeah. Yeah. Or somebody will say, I'm thinking about doing this. And so I'll immediately say, all right, well, we would need to do step one, step two, step three. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, that's not, that's not where I'm at. I just want to be excited about it. It's like, oh yeah, I get it. But I also realize um, my brain doesn't necessarily react like uh, neurotypical folks do. And so uh, when I take in information, sometimes it runs through a different filter than people are accustomed to. And so it's just, that's uh I don't know. I've I've learned 
that I just don't necessarily think like everybody else. And so I had to kind of retrain those parts of me uh, to sort of better suit the people. And what really works well is when people tell me uh, how they feel or what they need. Like if you tell me that you enjoy it when I do this thing or you like it when people do that, I will do that from now till forever. Like it is super easy, but people don't necessarily speak in those terms, right? You have to read all these subtle indications from people or body language. And I'm not always great at that when I've learned that I am super verbose and I have zero boundaries. So I will tell anybody anything and I will have a conversation about anything. And um, when I appreciate something, I will tell people that, you know, so because it's, I want that to come back, but it never comes back because people don't work like that. Like normal people don't tell you how they think or feel or what they want um, because they can subtly pick that up from others. But like, I like that doesn't work for me. And so it's been uh, definitely a journey uh, wandering through life, kind of like a, uh, like uh, if you're a Price is Right fan, like a Plinko chip, just kind of bouncing around, sort of trying to figure your way through it. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the case with everybody? Yeah. Yeah. We've all got a, a different set of uh, of things going on. We're just navigating the world, right? Yeah, it's it's funny when you say it. It's like maybe no few to no people in your orbit think in the way you do, but you're never the only person who thinks oh, for in the sure. way that you do, which is which is cool, but also frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also when you learn that you process information differently than most people. It's like ah, oh, well, that's crazy. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, well, let me sort of refactor based on this new information. I am kind of like a computer. Like if you, if you, because like I've been in, um, in IT for like my entire career, did computer science and stuff like that. And like computers are exceptionally stupid, right? They are very, very dumb. You have to write a program and in that program, you have to tell it everything you want it to do. Um, I remember when one of my first computer science classes, uh, our exercise was, all right, I need you to write down on this piece of paper how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Or let's say just a peanut butter sandwich. You're just going to make a peanut butter sandwich. Write it down here. And so everybody wrote it down. And so the teacher took a couple of them and he started going through it. And so he looked at it and he said, okay, uh, grab the, the bread. And so he grabbed the, the loaf of bread and he put it in front of him. He said, okay, put, uh, put peanut butter on it. And then, so he took the jar of peanut butter and rubbed the outside of the jar on the loaf of bread. And it's like, you, you, you fail to realize that computers require every single step. You have to say, undo the twist tie in this fashion, open the bread, pull out the slices individually by grasping them with your hands, right? Un like, Firmly grasp the jar, unscrew the lid using the other. Like you have to literally tell them everything. Mm. And um, uh, some but people. Then they, but then they work for you. Then they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Then they're great. But the crazy That's thing funny. for me was You're learning that some people's brains actually kind of function like that. I like I'm not quite to that level, but sometimes there's pieces where I need people to tell me how they feel when I say this or that or react, right? Like so that I can put that in my. Uh, computer brain and then properly uh, properly react the right way yeah it's that's interesting uh, it's, it's just also really funny that you act like a computer and that's the work that you do <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean uh it made sense to me it felt right i i don't know about for you but i remember um when i got into computers 
it uh i knew this was it i was like this is the thing like these make sense to me and i can continue to grow and evolve with this and it opened up a lot of pathways for me yeah now it works and then now how what at what point did you get into this i guess kind of like a side gig of what you do with the podcasting um it was kind of a natural progression like everything there's there's never been any eureka moments for me where i do something great and monumental like starting a pizza tour like to me that's bonkers <laughs> and i know to you it feels the way you described it it felt like kind of a, a slow progression but also it was also not right like there was a there's a moment where you had to say okay this is this big thing that i'm going to do and i'm going to go do it or whatever but um for me um where i live a little bit smaller there's not a whole lot of people that at least at the time I identified with or really, you know, whatever, like, you know, you find your tribe, your people sometimes. And I found all of mine mostly through the internet, right? Like doing IT stuff and then go to conferences and then all of my people would be there. So it was like a method for me to uh, keep hanging out with them. So I was like, Hey, let's, uh, why don't we just schedule like a group call every so often? And then uh, after the first couple, it was like, they're really good, like really good stuff. And I was like, why don't we record these and make it a podcast? And so then it was on the calendar, right? It's on my schedule <laughs> and everybody, uh, everybody showed up. So I got to just hang out with my friends and talk about the stuff we were interested in. So did that for about a decade and through, I actually just retired from it from this year because I moved out of that industry and I don't know, I, I felt like I outgrew it. And I found the part I liked the most was interacting with people, like meeting people, talking to people. And so this is something I've wanted to do this like one-on-one -on -one with another human for a really long time and uh finally uh got the opportunity well i say got the opportunity the opportunity was always there and finally just decided to start doing it and took um, the opportunity absolutely absolutely but it was also not monumental not dangerous here i am safe in my own little office and uh you know talking to people over the internet so it's it doesn't feel monumental to you but to me it it, it might be like that what you're doing is a bigger step from what I would think, like, in in my opinion, what I do is just very closely related to what I was doing before I started doing pizza tours. And but from on the outside, it looks crazy. And I just think it's the same when I look at what you're doing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what do they say? Like, everybody's living a different movie, right? And when people really? look at it from the outside, it's so easy to to see kind of what's going on. But when you're inside the movie, you're an actor. You don't know what's going on. You know, it's like it's harder to kind of keep track of that stuff and yeah, to see those beats. And I guess also if you live it day by day, it doesn't seem like it's some big monumental thing. No. When you look at it from the outside, you kind of compress the timeline. It does look pretty crazy sometimes. And that's, I mean, I guess that's good perspective for like, you know, when you're looking at what anybody else is doing, you're like, well, what you're doing is, is a big, is a big difference too. You know, I like I, whenever I look at any, like you've got a studio set up here, you got this like boom arm, this nice lighting, the whole deal. Like that's a, that's a whole, that doesn't just, you don't snap your fingers and have that happen. Yeah. Just takes time. Slow progression, slow and steady, kind yeah. of always building upon the last thing just a little bit more and more. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's, that's life, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, I also, like this is an interesting mixture of things. One, I love the performative aspect because I love creating art or things that I think other people will enjoy, but I'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination. But when I meet an amazing storyteller, then I can 
perhaps share that with somebody else. I, I love that aspect of it. Two, it's like therapy for me. So I Ooh. can sort of like learn and grow through other people. Uh, but also I can listen to somebody talk and I've gotten much better about it. And I can, I can feel what they're saying, right? I can empathize. I can actually put myself in there and ask them questions based on how it made me feel. And I've more accurately honed that in. So my assumptions have gotten better and better over time. So it actually helps me interact with other people all the time. And also I really, I, uh, Kickstarter for this to really get off my butt and start it was, uh, during COVID. And I realized, um, how much social interaction actually did contribute to my overall well-being. And this was an opportunity for me to make actual human connection with other people, like really amazing, cool people that occasionally are crazy enough to say yes, to mm -hmm. talk to a complete stranger. And then, yeah, it's, uh, it's been good all the way around. Who was your first guest? Who was a complete stranger? Um, it was a guy named professor Tim Wilson. He is a, a British guy. I think he's at Oxford in England and I found him because he was a reality TV star on uh, a show called the circle. And he was just so charming and, uh, uh, so funny in like, a an unexpected way. I don't think he really a hundred percent knew it. Uh, but mm. also kind of like this, he's an older guy, but also sort of this naive, way he looked at the people around him, right? Because they were all playing the game and he wasn't, right? It's this game where you're supposed to like make everybody like you and try and engineer your way to the top. And he was just being him the whole way. And I was like, man, I, this dude's the best. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes you just shoot your shot. You reach out to people and occasionally some really interesting people uh, will reply back like yourself. Uh, what's your, what's the return rate? Like for, what's the percentage of people who say yes? Um, It's not great. So you got a, it's uh hey, is it one in 10? Is it? Um, it depends. It depends. So some people, I don't know. It just, it really depends on like what industry you're in uh, and also oh. how much research you do. So say for example, I, uh, I ended up going to uh, Upwork and getting a, a research assistant. So I'll just come up with topics I'm interested in and they'll go and do the research and help me find people, um, which is amazing. Uh, somebody told me one time, uh, do what you're really good at and find somebody else to do everything else for a good price. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's definitely worked for me. Um, but, uh, one of them was, I was like, I want to talk to a bomb technician, like somebody who's like worked in that industry for a long time, like just to see, you know, where they are, their expectations before going in during, and then what it looked like after, you know, and then looking back at their experiences and stuff like that. But, uh, it is a fairly, uh, close knit community and they are fairly tight lipped. So finding somebody to talk to you there, a little bit difficult. So, you know, not surprising. Some people that are in more performative industries, it's a little bit easier to find folks or, or things like that, but you never, you never quite know. And I've, uh, I've talked to some really amazing people that are like, um, really renowned kind of in their industry or what they do. And, uh, they were kind enough to, to say yes to me. Uh, so it's, you just, I don't know, you never know. You never know who's gonna, who's gonna come back and say hello or whatever. But I also think about this stuff as like a legacy, right? It's like, what kind of legacy is a person going to leave? And, uh, I know I'm never 
going to have millions of dollars where there's going to be a building with my name on it. Uh, but that's not important to me necessarily. Like I don't, don't care uh, about uh, people remembering me in that fashion. What I've learned is the best way to leave a legacy is through people, right? And um, I'm never going to have a huge stage to do it to hundreds or millions of people at, at once. Like some celebrities actually have kind of a pool where they could do that. But uh, for me, it's doing it through individuals or changing hearts and minds little by little. And uh, this allows me to do that, right? Like I can talk to somebody and definitely it changes me. Every one of these conversations makes me a better human. Um, but then you put them up and then you hope that somebody else will see it and maybe take something from it, right? And so it's just tiny, tiny little imperceptible ripples that will outlast me. And when I'm long dead and gone, hopefully people will be moving in a slightly better direction because mm. of uh, contributions. That's so very it, cool. it kind of sounds... Uh, maybe like a little bit of what you do, right? Like the education piece. Like you're you're saying that you want to tell people something in such a way that it sticks. So it's probably like a funny anecdote or something interesting. And that will forever change that person that they will carry on with them. And it's like it's people, I think some people underestimate their impact that they have on the world. Because they think maybe maybe they're just one person and they're not changing that many people. But you're taking groups of people and impacting them by fired them up about the thing you love, which I think is so cool. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's cool to know that you can help make somebody's day or give them an experience that resonates with them for much longer. Yeah, for sure. Or, you know, just something as small as um, an affirmation or a kind word, right? Like mm -hmm. even if you're the only bright spot in that person's day, you know, at least there was something positive. Yeah, or uh, I think more often than that, it, even it's just allowing somebody to think a certain way or express an opinion in a certain way. Like, you know, you'd be surprised, of course, when talking about pizza, if you get close enough with people, then they start bringing up things that are, you know, like, oh, you know, what about I, I like my pizza like this or, uh, you know, my feelings on pineapple or something. Pineapple, like I was going to say. Yeah, and you, you allow. Wars have been like fought why, for less. Yeah, and that's why, like, kind of the point with really dough was about how there's no rules and pizza is this kind of thing that the debate is the interesting part and the, the debate is also kind of useless because all that matters is that something makes somebody happy and why would you ever get in the way of that? Yeah. And so Really Doe is a, a show you did for uh, three seasons and I was... I mean, I've made it through most of season three and I started at season three. So I'm, I'm getting ready to go back and watch the others. Um, I, I totally, I see what you mean by that because for you, it's all about the experience, trying something new. And at the end of the day, because like you guys are trying to determine, is this really a pizza? Is this not a pizza? Because uh, you're, you're, I mean, golly, uh, I think you guys have done like a donut pizza. There was like ice cream pizza. It's just some pretty wacky stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, did I enjoy this experience? Like, I, I get the premise. Is it, is it really dark? Is it not? Or whatever. But uh, it's just a really fun, charming show that uh, really gets to show your improvisational skills. Because, like, I was expecting it to be something, like, very scripted. Um, but it feels like mm -hmm. you just, like, quite literally everything that comes into your head comes out of your mouth. And that, it fascinates me because I don't know what's coming next. <laughs> I, did, I didn't either. It, it's unscripted that's the third season is the only thing that has anything close to a script because there was an outline of like there's a plot in the 
the first two seasons are I go out or I tell Mark, the other guy who hosts the show with me, I tell him about a crazy pizza. He says to go out and get it for him. I go try it, meet the chef, bring it back to him. He eats it. And then we debate the nonsense of whether or not it's a pizza. And the whole point, <laughs> the whole point is that it doesn't matter. You know, it's not, it's not like a food show that, that decides for once and for all, if something's really a pizza, but, and then the third season is like, because of over the first two seasons, they just kind of let us go. And it turned into some kind of like a funny relationship between us where he's this great pizza maker. And I'm sort of like the super fan. And then the third season just played off that. So they would give us an outline, but they would really just say like, okay, talk about, you know, ask him about what he thinks about this. And it, it was just, you just, we just had to figure things out as we went. So even, even watching it, I'm like, why, whoa, why would I say that? That's crazy. <laughs> was it just uh, the two of you and like uh, a camera guy? No, there's, there was actually a pretty big crew for this because they had people with, you know, lighting, multiple cameras, producers. And I think by the third season, there might have been like 10 of us. Oh, wow. Uh, and then and then an editor who wasn't with us, but an amazing editor, Chris Murphy, who the, the reason the show works and is really funny is because of him. Oh, yeah, because it's it's tight um charming there's a lot of fun beats i i mean i love the editing and that because sometimes you would start saying something they would cut you off right like the yeah, idea that it's, it's, it's brilliant <laughs> yeah it's so well put together was that your brainchild or somebody approached you with that thrillist came to us and said oh we want to do a pizza show and we think it's going to be about trying these weird pizzas and we think it might be called really dough and i was like okay well that you're going to change that because that's a bad name and then they were like <laughs> we think we might ask uh, you to do it and we think we might ask mark from this place called lucali in brooklyn they're like do you know him and i was like oh yeah i know him he's like like he's a he's a he's a weird funny guy and they're like okay meet us next tuesday and we'll shoot the first episode and i was like all right do i need any prep they were like nah just meet us <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! So it was really like a trial by fire, just to see if it was gonna work. Yeah. Well, that like the first—I don't remember what's the first one we shot. It may have been the gold pizza, but there were definitely ones that we shot where I didn't know what it was gonna look like at the end. At, I mean, none, there's none of them that we knew what it was gonna look like at the end. Like when it aired, or whatever you call it, when it's on the internet. When it was on the internet, it was the first time that we saw a final thing. So we were like, "Oh, that's how they use that." That weird moment that we were driving around in the car and didn't know what to talk about. <laughs> but I, something else I noticed is your enthusiasm is like so infectious. Like well, I, you feel like I'm, a kid in a pet store. Well, you got to Okay. Think about it like this. <laughs> There's this like thrillist, this internet content company, whatever they are. And they were taking us around to these great pizzerias. I got to spend the day hanging out with Mark, going to great pizzerias. <laughs> And somebody else was paying for it. And it was like, <laughs> this is like a fantasy. Like, how, how could you not be excited? Yeah. And also the idea that you're getting to meet, I'm assuming, uh, at least on the, um, the third season where you were actually traveling, like a, a lot. Well, I mean, I, I know you knew some of them, but you were getting to meet like new people and, and yeah. talk to them about like their art, the thing they love, which is the thing you love. So, I mean, you actually were I, genuinely excited, right? Yeah, I was just a fan. I mean, I, and the ones where I knew the person, I think we always said it. I think I always said, hey, I know you, like, we mm -hmm. never try to make it, you know, yeah, yeah, dress yeah. anything up. There was no lying on there. 
it was like, no, I really never met this person before, but like we knew of each other. So that would always be fun. Hmm. So, uh, so how does that feel to be something of a celebrity in the pizza world? <laughs> I don't, I think that's a little extreme. I think it's just that, <laughs> I think it's just that the thing, the thing that I do is not a, um, there's not a lot of people who do that because to work in it's just pizza. You own a pizzeria, you run pizzerias, you work in a tomato company, you work in a flower company, like you're a consultant. You know, there's a lot of things that are functional restaurant jobs. And then the thing that I do is hard to explain because it's more like being a professional pizza fan, but that really makes it, it downplays it a lot. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's hard. There's, I think now there's a culture of like influencers and that culture of being an influencer only has to do with the content and it doesn't have to do so much with the intention. Hmm. And the thing that I think I do or I try to do is way more about the intention than it is about the specific content. So it's not just about like, oh, I'm going to show you another flashy video of a pizza. It's really more about encouraging people to think differently. So to do that, I've developed great relationships with people in the pizza business for the past 15 years, and it's in every part of the business. So just to be able to do that takes a long time and dedication. Like you, I couldn't have done it if I had a full-time job. I had to fully dedicate to this. Hmm. And that's, I mean, would you say that you are immersed in the, like the pizza stuff? Like you, um, you write like a column for pizza today magazine. Like I, I went and read some of your stuff and I really liked it too, because it's, it's very conversational. It's like, you're just talking, you're just telling me a story. Like you're just talking to me. I, I, I really enjoyed that too. Um, but also you've like written a book, you've got like, you know, your Guinness world record of pizza boxes and all that stuff. So you really have like taken great links to, cause it sounds like you don't do anything by half measures. Huh? You just kind of fully jump into everything. I mean, I try a lot of things and fail at a bunch of things, but the stuff that you'll hear about is the stuff that works. Hmm. Like, like the Guinness record thing is, it's like, oh, like I was, I was writing a book about pizza boxes. I was collecting a bunch of boxes for the book. And then once you have a lot of something, your first thought should always be, could this be a Guinness world record? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, and, and, that was it. Like, why, why not? You know, you send an email, go to their website, see what it takes to get a record. And then, okay, it worked. Cool. And that's something that I, what I think about it is Guinness world records. As a kid, I always thought about it as like, this is the definitive list of the special elite force of people. And then like you realize later that it's like, not exactly that. It, there's like a business behind it and all this, but but the Guinness World Record is this like known thing and it's really specialized and to be listed as the one person with the longest hair is cool. It's just like cool to yeah. see how how you can like single these things out and in a world that is this big with this many people. I don't know if there's really one person who has the longest hair and somebody else doesn't know the Guinness World Records exist and they have longer hair. I don't know. But I figured it was a cool way to send out a signal that if anybody else collected pizza boxes or was interested in pizza box art, if they see that there's somebody who holds the world record, they'll maybe they'll reach out. And 
I've gotten to know people over the years who say, oh, I heard about the world record and I also collect pizza boxes. And I'm like, great. This is what it's for. <laughs> That's fun. Why pizza? Why pizza? Well, I mean, obviously I know why pizza, but um, how did, how is it that like box art like grabbed a hold of you? Like what specifically about that was so fascinating? I, I just wanted to know everything I could about pizza when I was doing the tours so that if somebody showed up for a tour that I would be 10 steps ahead. If you ask a question, I have to have a response. I can't be a hundred percent stumped. I at least have to have something. And the pizza box is pretty significant for pizza. Like two thirds of all pizzas in America are eaten from a box at some point. <laughs> so, so that's what it was for me. And then when I noticed that not all the pizza box art was the same, then it was like, Oh, I got to save this one. Cause this is cool art or this one's limited edition. <laughs> and the fact that it's ephemeral just means that saving it is even more interesting. Yeah. Ephemeral and also designed to be discarded. Exactly. That's what, that's what I mean. It's like, it's like, like saving bar coasters, you know, they're like cheap throwaway things. And when you save them, it, it removes it from its original intended context. And that, that makes it way more interesting. Do you collect mm -hmm. anything? People. <laughs> Actually, yeah. There you go. People. It's the only thing I collect. What about like for people who you're friends with, like in person? Do you do you seek out a diverse group of friends in person, or is it really more in this format? Um, I would say it's definitely in this format as far as diversity goes. There's just where I'm in. There's not a lot of options. I do have a lot of uh diverse people kind of in my friend group not that it's huge or anything by stretch uh, of the imagination but it uh it definitely is different than the vast majority of people i would say a lot of them are different than the than the average of uh the area i'm in i'm in uh yeah the middle of texas in a super conservative area and uh i'm a weirdo right so it's uh you know i try and find I'm, I'm other interesting about, folks i'm even thinking about like so you have you know a bomb expert on on your show, you're not going to walk outside and shout out in the middle of town. Is anybody a bomb expert? Yeah. Yeah. So in person, it's a lot harder to like collecting people. You have a lot wider net doing it like this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I've, um, believe it or not, I've actually made friends, uh, through doing this. So some of the people that I've interviewed, I've ended up, so I travel for work a lot. Um, and I uh, ended up in their town and went and, you know, had lunch with them, had dinner with them and genuinely made friends, which wasn't exactly my initial intent. But I mean, it's definitely a bonus. But well, it's really you cool. know, if you ever get to New York, we're going to a pizzeria, <laughs> not a pizza restaurant. We're going to a pizzeria, pizzeria. <laughs> and then we're going to have a slice and then you'll you'll get it. You'll you'll get the whole thing. That's cool. Why? Well, I anticipate coming back to New York. I've been there once. I went in 2018 and it was, um, it was an amazing experience. I'm definitely a city person. Like I, I love urban environments and stuff like that. And I had never experienced anything like New York, right? So we have big cities here, right? Like Houston, was it like third biggest population or something like that in the U.S.? But it's here, everything is so spread out, right? Like genuinely you have, and we don't have any good public transit or anything like that. So you're just in a car and you're going places. So I don't know, you don't seem to interact. Why there's huge populations, you don't seem to interact with that many people. But when I got to New York, it was just 
I mean, it was alive. It was like an anthill that got kicked over. There was just people everywhere. And, and, and it's, it really is like an anthill. I mean, we all live in apartments. So it's not <laughs> yeah. like you live in a house and your neighbor is, you know, like all the way across the lawn. Like my neighbor is on the other side of that wall. <laughs> I genuinely remember when I first got there, I put in my earbuds and we started walking where we were going. And it, it felt like the whole city was moving to my soundtrack. And it was just, I really, I really... I don't know, fell in love with it. And also I saw like all this diversity. There's all these people that were just so different from one another. And to me, it was just like this huge opportunity for uh, me to like learn something from this person or that person. I bet that person's fascinating and interesting. Just like just the crush of humanity was just so attractive to me, which honestly, if you go back to when I was a kid, that would have been like probably one of my greatest fears being in uh, you know a group of that many people and now it is like the thing that attracts me the most it seems so mm. counterintuitive but yeah you did a 180 yeah yeah in so many respects yeah for sure yeah i love that about the city you, being on the subway it's a character study hanging out in one of the parks washington square park it is just a character study mm, for sure you uh you think you're uh you're uh a New York City dweller for life. You're gonna stay there forever. Yeah, it's likely. I, I don't. I don't think it's the only place I could ever be happy. Whenever I leave it, I always like. I always enjoy wherever I am, but then I miss it after four or five days. But huh? uh, yeah, I, if I stayed here forever, from my perspective right now, I'd be pretty happy about that. I so because cool, it's such a mixed bag. You never know. Like people say, I grew up there and couldn't wait to get out. Some people, it seems like a place that really has like a gravitational pull that sucks some people in, you know, like people that have never been there their entire life. They know they're destined to go there and move there and you yeah, know, I never stay forever. Felt that. And I, I grew up 20 miles from where I live now, but I never thought that this is where I would live. But, you know, I'm looking out my window right now and I, there's not a lot of tall buildings where I live. It's like short buildings and houses and it's Brooklyn, but it's, there are certain blocks that you would think are like the suburbs. That's cool. Yeah, New York City is not just one thing. It's you could find all you could find your own little pocket of it and and make it work for you. That's cool. Sounds like um, a lot of opportunity for yeah. whatever it is you want, right? I mean, you could come here and start a crazy weird tour just about pizza, and it works. <laughs> and I noticed uh, you guys have like other guides that work for you, like doing tours and stuff like that which I think yeah. is so cool because we were talking about the diversity of the tour. So like if they go and do a Scott tour, uh, you know, it's never going to be the same twice. Not only that, but you can get other personalities, which I think is like, like talk about diversity on diversity. Well, yeah, like Laura is doing a tour right now and the tour she gives is different from what David is going to give. And that's different from Amy and Krista and me and Paul and, you know, Dan, like there is all different flavors with the same information, but just different ways of talking about things. And each person has a different specialty. And that's like that. That's what you want. It's no, it's like what you said before. It's not programmed. It's not scripted. It's just it has to you have to react to what's happening in front of you. That's so cool. That's so cool. Do you like um, have you compiled like a list of uh, tomes that you have people read on pizza? Just so they yes. can help build oh, there's up their a whole knowledge. study guide. It's crazy. 
<laughs> so is it is it like you uh, you prescribe them various books to read and then go through and all this other stuff? I wish I could do that, but it's more like every few weeks we go out and go to a pizzeria or we go on an adventure to a cheese factory or a, a, a food distributor or something. I give them little briefs of information, like a little dossier about flour. And then I'm always sending them like, oh, here, check out this article about tomatoes that just got posted on some website. Or, And then there's a reading list, but it's all optional. It's just more like, if you want to be better prepared for this question, read these books. But Have you ever, have you ever thought about taking people along for those little learning adventures? Like those teaching adventures sort of things? I'd rather keep that clustered to the tour guides because it's really hard to do with too many people. It's like running a tour. Oh, tour of yeah. 30 people is hard to schedule. But if it's six or seven of us guides, then it's just easier for me to do. But I guess in the long run, it would be kind of cool to take people to some of those extra credit places. Yeah, that fascinates me because like the um, how it's made piece is really interesting to me as well. Like seeing behind the curtain. Yeah, that, totally. that, uh, that fa- I mean, it's the same with people. Like uh, how you got to where you are now endlessly fascinating to me like i like the the end product is interesting and it's polished and it's cool but how did you figure that out like you know like to me that's uh well i guess that really oh maybe i just had an epiphany um you know because that's kind of how my brain works because i don't i can't always fully understand why people do the things they do without additional information so it stands to reason that people's journeys would fascinate me so much well there you go look at that it just happened we just watched it happen yeah (laughs) i can retire now we're good (laughs) turn the sign on the door lock it we're good let's go (laughs) no that that just that's just the one little spark and an endless set of sparks for you yeah for sure man yeah one more thing that's fascinating Hmm. yeah i uh we have this concept in IT called rubber ducky debugging. Like whenever you run into a problem, uh, you the idea is you have like a rubber duck sitting on your desk and you explain the problem to the duck uh, in such a way that it can understand. And by doing that, you figure things out. Like you actually come up with a solution for the problem. Uh, and uh, that's how I figure out most of my stuff. Do you have an inner monologue? I don't. An inner monologue? Nah, it's probably all outer like yours. Yeah. So I, most of my stuff I figure out out loud. Yeah, it's much easier to do that. Oh, I always have to say, well, I have this, and this is there, and da-da-da, blah-blah-blah. Otherwise, if I don't hear myself say it, then I'll, I won't know it. And if I do hear myself say something, then I'll remember it. If I, if I like, look at my phone and say, don't forget to do the laundry, then I'll, I'll remember to do the laundry. You know, I, say, I have to say that loud. Hmm. All right. Well, Scott, I could quite literally sit here and talk to you Uh over and over, forever and ever, um, <laughs> and probably revisit the uh, the fantasy restaurant, the best fantasy restaurant we've done. I've got it on record. It's here. It's staying in the podcast. Uh, so I'm I'm definitely gonna to launch that one uh, alongside this uh, to the public so everybody can hear. Awesome. It. it was too fun. But right here at the end, I always like to ask my guests: Is there any way you'd like people to specifically interact? Any social media? Maybe your website? Anything coming up, new and big and different? Yeah, all the information about what we do is at scottspizzatours.com and Instagram is scottspizzatours. That's the best way to keep track of our day to day and also to just shoot a message about something. But you know, for anybody who's looking for something like doing a tour, the website has all the info. All right. 
wicked. So if you guys are going to do something uh, special or different, does that pop up on uh, does that pop up on Instagram as well? Yeah, it's usually on Instagram is the spot for that. And then of course, um, uh, Slice Out Hunger is a separate organization. That's sliceouthunger.org. And then we have a website that's called pizzaresourcecenter.com, which is where we sell home pizza making equipment and books. Uh, you just asked about books that I recommend. Well, when I started teaching the online pizza classes, everybody asked about what what should they buy, what books should they get, and I have relationships with everybody who writes the books and everybody who makes all the products. So I just sell them all direct, <laughs> so you don't have to go to Amazon. So Perfect. that's pizzaresourcecenter.com. Yeah, I uh, I've tried to uh, start shopping local as opposed to the big jungle website if I can help it. Yeah, yeah that's in the big jungle website. Yeah, so I try to I try to do that. It's tough because like e-commerce is its own huge animal and i'm trying to work i'm trying to run a tour business and a nonprofit, and the e-commerce thing is hard to get around but uh we have really great books that are harder to get in other places and some equipment that's much harder to get in other places as well but it's all the stuff that i read and the stuff that i use all right cool well scott thank you for your time attention your energy your enthusiasm and your uh sharing your love of pizza thanks for having me thanks for for doing this show this is so so cool all right let me click stop on all this stuff now